shit. Oh, we are back. Put we away that back. Beer. Put away that beer. I like the fish. It's fun. <laughs> Jet doesn't like it. Jet doesn't like it. Okay, that's Jet fine. Go, what Jet says goes here, buddy. <laughs> Not on my show. Not on my show. I have the final word. <laughs> Jet, Jet, come in here, buddy. <laughs> oh, shit. No, don't bring him in here. No, I'm good. All right. Good. No more fish. <laughs> what's going on movie dojo army and chat everybody watching right now hanging out with us today on another episode of versus episode number 15 that's Yay. right number 15 rocking and rolling keeping it going keeping it growing and the legends that's right the martial arts avengers are the kung fu avengers are back that's right filmmaker martial artist kyle wong's in the house hall of famer author kung fu santa rick myers that's right Frank Jang, the master of remaster, has returned. And my brother from another mother, Eric, the Asian movie enthusiast. That's right. We are here hanging out, doing what we love doing, which is talking about kung fu films and movies in general. We love doing it, and we love talking about Jet Li movies as well. And we're going to get it. We're going to talk about two Jet Li classics today. That's right. Once Upon a Time in China. And its sequel, and this is this is another recommendation from good old Rick. So this is another tough one. You're two for two, Rick. <laughs> Actually, when we announce the third one at the end of the episode for next week, you're three for three. Uh, but yeah, these tough ones make these versus episodes a lot of fun because I I really like both of these movies, and you know, unfortunately, over here in America, my introduction to Jet Li was Lethal Weapon Four. No, I. I like Lethal Weapon 4. It's fun. I'm a fan of the series. But that was my introduction. And I was just like, oh, man, I got to hunt this guy out. So I went to the video store, got lucky, and uh, found Fist of Legend from there. Enjoyed that. And then my uh, my friend at the time had Once Upon a Time in China 2 and, and the first one on VHS. That's right. Old VHS copies back in the day. And uh, both of them blew me away. It blew me away. And then after that, I went to the theater to see Black Mask. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we get over here in America. That's what we get over here in America. Sorry, guys. We're not going to re- release any of the classics. You're getting Black Mask, goddammit. Uh, but you know, over, over a long period of time, uh, Eric even got me to... Uh, you know, enjoy parts of Black Mass as a oh, as a guilty it's got player. Karen Mock and Lao Ching Wan, man. I can watch them all day. <laughs> oh man, Movie Dojo Army is here already, watching us, hanging out, and uh, let's go ahead and get into it. So don't forget, those of you that are new to Versus that are watching right now, we will be talking about spoilers, uh, so we can get into it, and uh, we will pick a winner at the end. And for fun, I'll show the poll results from the YouTube voting. And oh, what's that shirt there, Rick? I'm going to show us the fashion show today. Love it. So the first one, hero. we got Hero. We got Hero lined up here with Jet yes. in my tummy with my beard pointing at Jet. My Dumbledore beard pointing at Jet. <laughs> I don't know if Frank might have you beat today. I have the Astro Boy t-shirt, my friend. That's <laughs> That's right, Frank. Bring bring a uh, bring a football shirt to a baseball thing. <laughs> bring, bring some sushi to a dim sum restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I'm I was really- deciding what to wear, and then it was either this one or the alien T-shirt. I thought, okay, maybe I'll save the alien for next week. But this week, 
Proud to have boy. Yeah, but <laughs> Frank, you work for Ty saying you should have Chinese t-shirts all over the place. Chinese t-shirts don't have 3XL size, right? <laughs> yeah. well, well, then I'm screwed. Good point. I tried to get them. I tried for years to get people in Hong Kong to to uh, commercialize their own product, and they would not do it. Yeah, I, I bought a I bought a three XL T shirt in Hong Kong. The guy swore that it will fit on me, and I wore it is like by the like my half of my tummy was sticking out. And it turns yeah. out three XL in Hong Kong is similar as XL in US. So like no way. <laughs> I whenever I went to get uh, clothing in Hong Kong, I always said Samo size. I want Samo size. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess I'm screwed then. I, I'm 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 two Frank Jangs pulled put together, so <laughs> that's not going to happen for old Samurai over here. But it's all good. It's all good. Oh yeah, just go ahead and get ri- uh, get into it. Oh, shout out to Eureka because we got old Frank here. That's right. Oh. Got the box set chat movie dojo army that is watching. This is the best these movies have ever looked. The Blu-ray trilogy from Eureka. Make sure you guys uh, buy it. It is amazing. This these movies look brand new. It's yeah, even better than the Hong Kong Blu-ray, so yeah. Oh, absolutely. Get yeah. get an all-region player, people. It's worth it. It is. Mm-hmm. It is definitely worth it. All right. Let's go ahead and get into it here. Once upon a time in China. That's right. Oh, let me not, go in get ho- my not in Hollywood where they the not in Hollywood where they make fun of Bruce Lee. We're not gonna we're not gonna <laughs> It's on my sleeve. Oh, there you go. All right, all right. Poster behind Kyle and it's yeah. Nice, you, nice. Utilizing my TV for something for once. <laughs> Frank teleported. Yeah. He teleported, but we'll go ahead and get it. All right, we'll go ahead and get into it. Right All right. Once Upon a Time in China. It came out in 1991. Plot synopsis. Late 1800s. Fo Shan. Wang Fei Hung trains men in martial arts to help defend against the foreign powers already holding Hong Kong and Macau. He looks after cute 13th aunt, who's just returned from England. Lots of fight scenes. Wow, IMDb, you're one of the worst. I can't believe, uh, that's real. That is real. Oh my God. I, I, I am not making that up. That is real. Cute auntie 13, lots of fights. Wow. Very, wow, very professional. <laughs> I'm sure Frank, Rick will go into a little bit more detail Frank, when we get to Rick. You want to do a tag team plot? Uh, yeah. This... Go ahead, Frank. What do you mean tag team plot? Huh? What do you mean do... by tag team plot? I mean, you no, start, no, and, I start and I'll tag off and you take over. And then you can tag off with me and then I'll take over. We can, we can do it in chapters. Well, this, I mean, but then, yeah, this, I mean, the first movie has a pretty complicated plot, actually. Yes, it did. And, but the most important thing about this movie is that is it's not a Jet Li movie. It's a Wong Fei Hong movie. And also, by the way, uh, Troy Hark would take issue with you, Samurai, by calling oh. it a Jet Li movie. As far as oh. the reason why he didn't do, the reason why Jet didn't do a fourth is because Troy Hark says, this is my movie. I made these hey, movies. Yikes. They're my, it's my series. Yeah. But it is the reintroduction after many years being fallow of the most famous hero in Chinese action cinema and probably world cinema, more than a hundred movies about this character, you know, eat that James Bond. (laughs) Wong Fei Hong. Also the Wong Fei Hong theme, which, 
which served as the theme song to Once Upon a Time in China, is the most famous piece of movie music in the world, used in more movies than anything else. So that's, that's the foundation of this film. And it was a match made in heaven, Jet Li and Wong Fei-Hong. Go, Frank. Yeah, so Wong Fei-Hong is, you know, is, um, he has his clinic in Foshan, China, and, you know, he's a martial artist and he also, he's also a Chinese herbal doctor. And this was during the late Qing Dynasty, you know, late 1800, around, you know, around 1890. And, you know, you have all these foreign powers, you know, you have the British or the American trying to get a piece of China, or trying to either take advantage of it, trying to invade it, or trying to just, you know, get rich out of it. And then you have all these different warring, you know, local clans, right? You have the uh, local gangsters and you have uh, the northern martial artists coming to Foshan trying to make a name for himself. So you have all these different factors combining here to create this really chaotic situation in Foshan. And, you know, with the arrival on 13 coming back from England, you know, she's dressed up in all these Western clothes. She she studied in England, so this created kind of this nationalistic conflict between the local you know Chinese folks and and all these colonial powers, and you have all have the the you know the Qing Dynasty government officials you know in cohort with some of the colonial generals and 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 you know, commanders uh, in trying to you know basically you know get rich or or, or um take advantage, you know, like get ready to take advantage of local folks. And then, so all these things combined uh, leading to this clash on near the end. And finally, this this great fight between you know, Wong Fei Hong and the northern, um, the northern um, martial artists trying to, you know, take, come and make a name for themselves. So, so you know, it's typical Trey Hawk film where you have all these different story elements, uh, you know, it's difficult to catch up sometimes, but then they all kind of come together in the end and leading to this you know, pretty extended finale, you know, with on 13 being kidnapped, almost raped, you know, and then and then Wong Feng student trying to save save uh, save her. You have also Leung Fun, you know, played by Yun Bill. He's kind of like a renegade disciple. You know, he's switching lord, you know, he's like switching loyalty between Wong Fei Hong. He's trying to be Wong Feng's disciple. And then when Wong Feng didn't take him in, he went over to the, the northern martial artist side. So you have all these different conflict that finally came into the head in the last like basically last hour hour of the film. And this was a pretty long film for Hong, you know, by Hong Kong cinema standards, two hours and thirteen minutes. But you know, it's it's an epic, it's an origin story. So, you know, yeah. I think it is definitely worth that running time. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, Samurai, in the future, don't go to IMDB. Go to, <laughs> go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia had the entire yeah. plot. That, that might be the worst one I think we've had on here. <laughs> Lots of fight scenes. I will do that next Lots time. Lots of fight scenes. Well, actually, that was a pretty for for a westerner. That was a pretty good. That was a pretty good setup. <laughs> that just sums it up. Yeah. Well, well lots of fights. Lots of fights, and uh, the the girl's cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get your beer and enjoy this movie, everybody. Where's the fighting? Let's get to the fighting. Oh, oh man. All right, I'll kick it off, and then we'll, we'll go around the circle to Frank there. Uh, so, yeah, again, my, my buddy had it on VHS, and I was like, man, you had these movies this whole time, and you didn't even tell me? I'm like, come on, man, share the love. 
Uh, but you know, his his parents they travel a lot, so he was able to buy uh, VHSs in, in in Thailand and all kinds of other places. So that's how he got a hold of it because we didn't have it over here. We couldn't go to Blockbuster Video and and and, and rent these movies. I was actually shocked. Fist of Legend was actually sitting on there, but you never know. Fist of Legend might have gotten there because of Lethal Weapon Four. So you never know. It's like, hey, let's start bringing over Jet Li's movies over here. But yeah, it's it's a it's a great movie. It's beautiful. Uh, the cinematography is great. This, I really love the soundtrack. I actually own uh, the soundtrack to both of these films and the Tai Chi Master. And I, I just really love a lot about this movie. Jet Li just kills it. This is like, it, Rick, would you agree that this is his most iconic role? Yeah. 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 I mean, because it's his most famous role. It's again, he's one of the few people who have played a character who is bigger in the in the east than james bond is in the west so yeah he took on this iconic role and i don't think anybody disagrees that he was absolutely perfect for it as if he was born to play it yeah and he he remains i think the quintessential screen wong fei hong who was also played i might add by jackie chan and jungle master too Mm -hmm. that's right and then but, Vincent Zhao. Yeah. Vincent Zhao. And, of course, Quan Ta King was the original who was in mm-hmm. Gordon Liu played him, too, right? Yes, he did. As a matter of fact, he did. Well, Al Kali Young had, had yeah. acted in uh, several Wong Fei Hong movies as a young man and also choreographed some of them as he became a action director. And so, yeah, so he, he made his own. He made Marshall Club, which was his young Wong Fei Hong movie. Great movie, uh, but but most people don't know Jackie was playing Wong Fei Hong in Drunken Master, yeah. or that Gordon was playing Wong Fei Hong in Marshall Club. But everybody knows that Jack. Right. And also, I don't. I think even Gordon and Jackie would agree that as a kung fu master, Jet is the real deal. He's not a movie kung fu master. He was yeah. a kung fu master first, and then became a movie star after that. <laughs> Yes, yeah. But I'm getting ahead of myself. You have to continue, and so does Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before I continue, I saw Kyle's reaction there. We mentioned uh, Vincent Zhao. You don't like Vincent Zhao, man? No, I'm I'm just saying that Vincent Zhao actually, like, took over in that little bit, too, and then continued on playing him in the the China series, I believe, and then even recently in a couple other films, including Kung Fu League. Unfortunately, he's going down with the Wong Fei Hong ship mm-hmm. because China. He want he needs to keep working. You know, Donnie has blackballed him, and so he kept working. And he did uh, several of the most recent Wong Fei Hong movies produced in China, which yeah. China is using to denigrate the character. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, all right. I'm actually I think- a big fan of Vincent Zhao in the you know part four and part five of the series. I thought he did a pretty good job. Actually, I love Vincent Zhao. I think he's, he's great. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. As a kung, um, fu, as a kung fu guy, he will never diminish his kung fu, except in these recent Wong Fei Hong films. Yeah, right, right. In fact, Part Four is actually one of my favorite in the series. I agree. I agree with you. Get Eureka to do that too. Yeah, yeah. Those those are like hard to find. I had to get those yeah. on like some bootleg third party <laughs> releases. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, back to the film though. Cinematography is great. Soundtrack is great. Martial arts are really good. You get a lot of high flying wire foo action, but it's it's just it's here's the thing here's the thing with the ladder fight finale, which is insane. It's 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 insane. 
I appreciated it right at the start. I was like, dude, this is crazy when I was watching it with my buddy. I was like, oh my God. Now rewatching it after all these years, I appreciate it a lot more because think about it, how long it must have taken to first come up with all these set pieces to put together in one big finale and then pulling it off. You know what I mean? With the budget they had. And it's just like, it's it's really something of a marvel. But I see, I see, you know, some casuals probably probably thinking it's silly and and why are they flying around? This is ridiculous. And I'm kind of like, look, all right, Hong Kong action movies nailed the whole superhero type action sequences before the MCU came along, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, we wouldn't be having some of the, the, the high-flying fight scenes in the MCU in comic book movies if it wasn't for Hong Kong cinema. All right, they helped pave the way. So, but yeah, it's rewatching it again uh, to prepare for today. Uh, really enjoyed the first one a lot. I have a lot of love for it. I love the fight in the rain and, uh, of course, the finale fight at the end. But I don't want to talk too much. I want to like, give you guys a, a chance to shine. Uh, but phenomenal. I don't really have anything really negative to say about it as of right now. All right, Kyle. So I'm about to say something so controversial yet so brave. Okay. If you do say so yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, the th- thing is, I, I was, I tried to recollect this film when I was young. My grandma did not have this in the collection to watch when I was growing up. And I'm very sad about that. So literally, yet last night I watched both of them back to back. And seeing this from fresh eyes... And seeing how Jet Li really immerses himself as a as a kung fu master, but also as an actor himself to really put himself forward as Wong Fei Hong, it really shows what who he puts trust into and how he portrays Wong Fei Hong. Um, seeing like like the story unfold where he's taught to teach the, his own militia and then um, running his own business too, like. I can't remember if it was in your book or in your book, Rick, or somewhere else where basically if you were a martial arts, you also had to learn medicine also because you had to learn like the healing portion too, to just understand. And I liked that aspect of him being a martial artist. He also a Kung Fu master. He had to be also a healer at the same time. So I appreciated that aspect. And then his relationship with, 13th aunt that it's always this weird kind of clash in between especially the shadow play i i appreciate the shadow play that they have like at these moments like oh he's get she's getting close and then she would just look at the shadow like oh yeah let me just <laughs> fantasize about this and then he takes a second and looks at the shadow like okay i can't i can't think about that <laughs> and yeah i can't believe yen Bu's in this as fun um ken chung and jackie chung are in this as his as Wong Fei Hong's disciples, I was like, Ken Chung's in this? And he, oh wow, he's actually fighting. Oh. And Jackie Chung being in it, it I almost couldn't tell it was him until like you strip away the buck teeth and everything else. Because this is one of the four canto pops of Hong Kong here. And he's playing like this <laughs> this kind of like character that that you rarely see him in. And I'm going, holy crap. <laughs> it's, it's Jackie Chung. But yeah, like seeing how the story unfolds, where even when guns are involved, how the Americans are trying to like take some of the Chinese as slaves into America, and that alludes to like them taking them down there to to dig for gold. And I was like, oh great, 
and yeah, that scene itself where um, Wong Fei Hong and Thirteenth Act go to this opera play, and the the local gang starts starts attacking under the guise as, as the opera troupe, and that causes the Americans to actually start firing upon the audience and. Just that scene alone was very emotional seeing that. And even when Wong Fei Hong is taking everyone back to his clinic to, to um, heal them, he finally sees like the bullets and that moment where he says like Kung Fu is not enough against this. And I was like, oh shit, this is that. That's shown like that growth of like how traditional of how his Kung Fu and how China is supposed to evolve, but yet he's trying to evolve, but trying to understand it himself, too. And then that you get to see that when 13th Ant is ta- uh, kidnapped by the local militia and Iron Vest Yim. Holy crap. Just that guy alone. <laughs> Just that fight alone between Wong Fei Hong and, and Iron Vest. The first fight, I will add, really visually beautiful with the rain and just how mm-hmm. Wong Fei Hong is just not trying to fight him. He's like, "What? Well, no, let's not do this." And then, basically, by because um, Wong Fei Hong got arrested, the Iron Vestium just gets gets the <laughs> gets the win. Other than that, like, I I appreciated the fact that they. They both under they were both in the same boat, like Iron Yim and um, Wong Fei Hong, understanding that kung fu is not enough, especially when Iron Yim gets shot, and then near the end where Wong Fei Hong uses the two bullets and just kills the Amer- American guy at the end. I was like, that is really well done. Yeah, just flicking the bullet, <laughs> flicking the bullet right to the, getting a headshot. And I I even noticed this too where. I seriously thought it would be stereotypical of 13th Aunt would be saved by by Wang Fei Hong or Fun, but no, like she actually tries to fight it, fight the one one guy off, and even like the women that were just captive, they even fought with her and then killed killed the local gangster. And I was just like, this is a pretty pretty solid film. And the only downside yeah. I would say is just how it took like all these like entwining stories just to get to this one point, just this one point of coming together. But other than that, it it's a pretty pretty solid film. I would I would agree that yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, quick question for Frank. So I'm assuming uh, Yoon Biao was actually older than Jet Li, right? Correct. Oh, how funny is that? Yeah. You you could they, the performances from both of them are so good it works, yeah. you know it actually kind of works that yeah. he's uh you know kind of the 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 uh, the bumbling no it's some kung fu like, you know it, some but uh, yeah it's too bad he only appeared in the first film too I mean Max Bach did a pretty good job I I thought but I mean Yoon Bill yeah Yoon Bill is like one of the highlights of the film for sure mm-hmm. yeah. well we could bring it up now Rick do you know why uh, Yoon Bill was not in the second one. Oh sure. I always was curious. Oh well, is, is it? Should I? Are you all set, Kyle? Can I? Can I take? Yeah, yeah, of course. Can I take it. Okay. Yeah, it's all yours. Yeah. Um, here's the situation. Joy Hark. This is his movie. He <clears throat> basically wrote it. He had a couple of collaborators. 
He was a filmmaker who was trained in America at a film school, I believe in Texas. And he was bringing all his knowledge, just like Zoo Warriors of the Magic Mountain and other movies he did. He wanted to push forward the entire genre. He wanted to make his great Kung Fu movie. And so he also wanted this to be star-studded. All the characters in this movie, all of Wong Fei Hong and his students, are all well-known characters, having had about a hundred movies before them. I mean, Kent Chang is playing Butcher Wing, who is played by Samuel Hong, and Buck Tooth was a, 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 an attempt to upgrade the famous Cantonese comedy character. You know, the Buck Teeth and all the rest of it. These are all iconic trademark characters. So Yun Biao signed up for one film. Jet Li signed up for one film. Everybody signed up for one film. And then, of course, because, you know, this is how cinema works. Everybody was worried that this movie may not be successful. Oh, they may not accept this new form of Hong Kai Hong. They may want it to be more traditional. But, of course, it was a huge hit. And, and also... It was really close as to whether Jet would be in the next one because this movie is basically Jet's armor of God in that for the first time in his filmmaking, he got injured pretty. He broke his, he broke his, I think, shin bone in the, uh, or the bottom part, a bone in his leg. Ouch. As a kung fu person, you don't want that sort of thing. Which is why there are behind the scenes of footage of him during the the uh, ladder sequence, sitting there with a cast on his leg and a cane, watching his stunt people do all the work. And and th- from then on, you know, and people were beginning to again, the press was trying to compare him to Jack. He go, Jack, you do all his own stunts. And Jet goes, I'm not a stuntman. I'm not a movie star. I'm not a fool. And the more you know about Kung Fu, the better you can enjoy this movie because, again, Jet Li is a Kung Fu star. I will do a quick explanation if I haven't done this with you before other podcasts and things like that. Martial arts is one thing. It's fighting. Martial arts is the fist and anger and muscles. Kung Fu is at least six things. Martial arts is one thing, fighting. Kung fu is internal, external, mental, physical, martial, and healing. So just like yin-yang, if you look at the yin-yang symbol, one is not bigger than the other. They blend with each other. So it's not like martial or healing. It's martial and healing. If you're a real kung fu student and you're learning real kung fu, not what Americans say is Kung Fu because they want to get people who like Bruce Lee into their schools, into their dojos, um, and to, to get their belts. None of, dojo is a Japanese term. Belts is a Japanese martial arts system. If you understand Kung Fu, you know that, yeah, just like the dragon and the phoenix, just like the yin and the yang, you can't do one without the other if you're learning it correctly. If you're all about being badass, again, you know, samurai, the fist, if you're all about 
Hey, I like I like what I like. All right. <laughs> I love what I love, which is yeah. I appreciate great martial art movies too, but I also know I know the difference between boxing and football, baseball and football, sushi, and the dub. I know the difference, and I appreciate the difference, and I don't mistake one for the other, and I don't judge one for the other. The raid is awesome. Uh, Ong Bak is awesome. Not Kung Fu. Very little healing involved. Very little. <laughs> but this is Kung Fu. Lots of healing involved. Equal to the martial. And so that's, what's, that's why he is such a great hero. Because the whole idea of this is the sequence where he broke his ankle. When he, when he does that kick on that and breaks the ladder, that's, I believe, the shot. Ooh. Where it over, and he sort of went like, "Okay, all right, I'm I'm a kung fu guy. I'm not a movie guy, and kung fu guys don't knowingly damage themselves. Uh, that's why my kung fu form is called stop fighting. Don't don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. And a kung fu highest form of kung fu is not to fight to make your enemy your friend. In any case, so this is Choi Hark's Jet except now." Jet was very happy, and I was very happy with Lethal Weapon 4, and I'm glad people discovered him, because just like Bruce Lee, when people saw Jet, even though it was a very minor role, and they had him do a silly, you know, from Russia with love watch thing, uh, he was still more impressive than anything else in that movie. So he looked really good, and it was a good showcase for him, so he could get a lot of money for his charity uh, meanwhile, on, um, okay, Ken, oh yeah, I got everything except for the reason that we got Lethal Weapon 4 and we, and also we got Black Mask was doing his absolute utmost to sabotage Asian cinema in America. What he did to Hero, which his company released is shameful, absolutely shameful. What he did to Shaolin Soccer was shameful. I mean, he was actively trying to sabotage it. Some people have told me he was doing that because he was trying to protect American uh, action directors' jobs, but I think that's bold. It's Harvey just likes to be have power over him, whether it's women or what he might call chinks or that crappy cinema, when I asked him directly why he was sabotaging these movies, he said, oh, I'm making them better. I'm making them that Americans can accept. Yeah. <laughs> to Fist of Legends and Heroes. Sabotage. So that's why, unfortunately, they didn't, they didn't want to bring Shaolin Temple. The idea that they didn't bring Shaolin Temple 2 over, that was pretty wacky. But Marshall, that was, I, I used to love that movie, and then I watched it over again, and I started like, oh dear, this is very we're gonna. I'm gonna have to know Chinese before I can watch the martial arts of Shaolin. And again, the more you know about Kung Fu, the better these fight scenes are. It's just like all the great fight scenes, like the fight scenes in martial arts of Shaolin, directed by La Young, starring Jet. I mean, they're doing. And also, he's borrowing, as you can see, even in that sequence, he's borrowing some of the advances that Jackie Chan brought to fight scene. 
adding the dust, adding the dust. And also you notice, even though he's doing the fist, the most effective move he makes is the open-handed. And this is classic Kung Fu because in martial arts, you have to use all your muscles and all your strength. Oh, punch you right in the face. While in Kung Fu, as Lockhart Young says, the soft, powering the hard. In Tai Chi, every single strike, every single devastatingly effective strike happens within an inch. So that famous one-inch punch, everything in, in Tai Chi is one inch. And it's usually the finger or the leopard or the... Uh, there's a lot of names for this one. This is the leopard style. But yeah, the open hands, the finger far more powerful. All right, I'm done. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Stop me from talking anymore. <laughs> but what do you think of the movie, right? <laughs> what do you think of the movie, right? <laughs> Rick, were there any uh, any things you would have tweaked about the film to make it make it better? Were there any negatives? Are you like, eh, they didn't need that, or you like it the way it is? No, you see, it's funny. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show my hands here. The only improvement you possibly make to this movie was what Choi Hark did with the sequel. Right. The mixture, the mix of this film. It, when I first watched it, you know, and I should also mention that I did, I did the audio commentary for the American release, a solo commentary, uh, you know, for Columbia TriStar for for this one. And the AV Club called it one of the best uh, audio commentaries. So it's my best audio commentary, a solo audio commentary. And, and again, when I did it, that's true. No, I'm bowing to you, Frank. Believe me. <laughs> Who did the audio commentaries on the uh, Eureka three volume set? There, I don't think there were any commentary done on that. This was before before I got involved with Eureka. So. Oh, shoot, because I wish they had used one. I would have loved to. Have. But in any way, because uh, it is one of my better ones and probably my best. But I didn't think it could, I didn't think Once Upon a Time it could be improved, and then I saw two. <laughs> oh, well. <coughs> the only thing to compare, the only thing. That, yeah, anything that could beat Once Upon a Time in China one was Once Upon a Time in China two. Okay, Mike Leader on the com- the Mike yeah. Leader did the commentary though. Mike Leader and filmmaker Arnie Vener- Venema. Well, that's that's fine. That's fine. I haven't listened to it. If anybody listens to it, then listen to mine and tell me how it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric. Yes. You know, the first time I saw this movie back in the day. I did, you know, uh, I did think the runtime was a little bit long, but the last few viewings I've had of this, I don't think so anymore. It, this film feels shorter than it actually is. I think the story and the conflict work really well in it. And as a Westerner, I just find it interesting to see potential negative Western influences on other uh, cultures in the past from the perspective of those cultures. So something like... Uh, you know, The Hidden Blade, the Japanese film, that had a lot of uh, commentary on the potential negative impacts of Western culture on Japan. And you see some of that here with China, which I find to be quite interesting. Um, and then it gives a kind of like a historical and cultural significance from my perspective as well, looking at films like this. Also, 
Roseman Kwan's character down the stretch. I did, I did have concern for her character down the stretch in this film. I think they did, they did a good job there. There's definitely a sense of danger there, which I appreciated. Uh, early on, there were a few moments where I giggled. I, I like the scene where they fry the bird with the camera. That was a good, that was a good moment. And uh, also, the martial arts choreography. I, I like it when movies uh, crescendo. You know, you start off good. You have some good scenes peppered in. I like the umbrella scene was pretty sweet. Uh, there's a pole fight, the fight in the rain, and then you crescendo it, and then you have that fantastic finale, which which really satisfies. It almost reminded me, like, uh, the use of props in that reminded me a little bit of the finale in Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, because you just, you just, you're just like, yeah. how do they do this? Like, how much time, like, like you said, Samurai Guy, how much time did it take to do that scene? Now, there's some people that we know, one of our friends who will go unnamed, who, who you know didn't really care for some of these films because there wasn't an explanation for how this character was able to do all of these these crazy maneuvers. We need, we need in the West. We need sometimes we need we need the explanation for something. You know what I mean? Did he take a special tonic? Uh, what happened? You know. And I think that uh, unfortunately is still a barrier for Western audiences yeah. for these types of films. But uh, it, it, it works. It really does. One thing I will say, it, people who are fans of Young Bu, who might go into this expecting him to really lay, like, like lay the smack down, he really kind of doesn't in this. He, he gets his butt handed to him a lot in this film, which is you know, probably consistent with his character. But uh, that's one thing I think, I don't know. I don't know if it would have benefited the film or not, but I would have liked to have seen him like go off a little bit. Uh, and then Kent Chang, I always love seeing him in films. He, he's actually in my one of my favorite thrillers called Run and Kill with Simon Yam, which is just phenomenal. So anybody who hasn't seen that, uh, I recommend that. But I always like seeing Kent Chang in the movies. He just adds something. I always like him in this. So yeah. this is one where, again, I, I think the spacing out of the fights, even if they're short, very nice throughout the entire film. You don't go huge stretches with, with no action. So that's that's kind of important for me for uh, for pacing. So yeah, there's not a whole lot to complain about with this one. I really enjoyed it. Nice. Let me just quickly give you some uh, footnotes for a second. Uh, first of all, Yunbyo is not going to go off the thing because he's playing a character that has been played a hundred times before. So he's playing that character. He's not playing Yun Bu. He's not playing any character. Mm-hmm. And so all these guys were doing stuff. And again, if you had seen the previous 100 movies, you wouldn't, like all of the Asian audience, you wouldn't have had to ask for an explanation. They had already seen it. Right. My, my one big criticism that I, did, I have gotten that I forgot to mention on my turn is that the one big flaw in this movie is usually the flaw whenever they cast Lilo actors. They suck. <laughs> Lilo actors, the Westerner characters, never get pros to play those parts. And they always get, you know, they just go down to, you know, uh, so, yeah. Show them. Show they, them. What's the, what's the building in Hong Kong, Frank, that they always Show have them. the foreigners? Show them. Yeah, they always go to the uh, government the, house. Uh, correspondence club? Yeah, correspondence club or governor's house. <laughs> Or the uh, or what's the what's that uh, famous uh, hotel 
on the uh, on peninsula. Huh? The peninsula. They'll just go in and say, "Anybody want to be in a movie?" And tell that they're going to be people in a movie who have never acted before, and of course they're all dubbed. But it shows you the difference between somebody who knows how to act for the camera and some jerk they got from a hotel lobby. <laughs> so that's the big flaw with this movie. Okay. Right. Take it. I like the priest. I thought the priest did a good job. The priest did okay. Yeah. yeah the, the priest did okay, right? No. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I agree with Eric. When I first saw this movie, in, I saw this movie in Great Star Theater, San Francisco Chinatown. And I remember this movie was like long. You know, I thought, wow, you know, when is this movie going to end? When I first saw it. And now I'm looking at it again. I agree. It's like this is just the perfect length. You know, it's just the right length. Get all the stories across. Get all the characters across. And like Rick said, they're all playing the right character. You know, like you know, Hong Kong and Chinese audiences know these characters by heart from watching all the from the you know watching black and white series of Quanta King and Check In. I mean, they made a hundred movies in that black and white film series, so everybody knows these characters. So it's just natural to see Jim Bill getting kicked. You know, they're getting his ass kicking this time because that's how Lance used to be in, in the original series too. But yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of nice visual flourishes in this one. I, I like some of the, you know, the nice visual touches in the, in one of the earlier scenes when they were fighting on the streets. They were using all these street boards, the, the street board, the signboard, the, the boards, and I thought that was a very nice touch because. You know, the, the sets were very authentic. I believe this film was not shot in China. It was shot in Hong Kong. So, so but the sets were all made like, the, you know, your, your typical Qing Dynasty street alley merchants and stuff. So and to see, you know, them also being used in a fight scene, that was very gratifying. And then just not, they're not just a decoration. They're, you know, the set design are not just a backdrop. You know, they were used to their photos. They're called the ladder fight scenes. I mean, just the production design and use of ladders and, and all those straw, you know, those big pouches. I mean, that, those are just amazing production design. And there are also some nice visual touches, you know, like when you first saw the the uh, the Northern Martial Arts played by Yam Sai Gun, you know, he turned around in the, you know, in the rain. He, like, he's like, notice his presence, he turns around and we saw him with the two spear, you know, in his neck. Yeah. That was a nice introduction. I really like that. And also, yeah. During that climactic scene with Jet Li, as Jet Li, you know, jumped up to the higher level and started fighting the goons, you know, the, the, the fellow henchmen. There's a nice shot of the, you know, Yam Sai Gun looking up, looking at him, just looking. It's like all of a sudden you have, you have this static shot of him just looking at Wong Fei Hong. And it, it makes you wonder, what was he thinking when you look at that? It's like it almost makes you wonder, is he thinking, maybe, I may, maybe I'm not his, maybe I couldn't defeat him after all, or, he, or he's just... Checking him out and seeing how he fights the you know fight those um the you know the 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 minor hooligans so so a lot of nice little visual touches there you know of course we have the you know romance subplot between An Thirteen and Wong Fei Hong and I agree she was a real real damsel in distress near the end you know she she got pretty rough up real good you know so that was nice and then the fight yeah I mean it just crescendo like Eric said you know. All the fights before were good, but it all led up to this not great, you know, ladder fight. Um, I also like that fight between Yun Shen Yi and, and Yam Tsai Kun, you know, when, when they were challenging each other with that three-two move 
challenge. That was a nice little fight, you know, with Yun Shen Yi uh, using the, the, you know, the the dagger and stuff. You know, I'm the fight. Tiger. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm that was Tiger. Was, uh, Yun Shen Yi, of course, was the, one of the. It's, it's all Tiger the whole movie. You know? I mean, people somehow. <laughs> <laughs> when people somehow confuse this film as being martial art choreographed by Yun Ping, but he did the sequel. It was Yun Shen Yi and two other Yun brothers who did this first film. And why I personally felt, uh, especially near the end, it relied a little bit more on the wire than I thought it, you know, I liked. It's still very solid, you know, very nice fight. You know, they're all they're all really um, authentic. They're they're powerful. They're creative. Um, yeah, nothing more to say. This is a fantastic film. I think it was a great start to the theory, uh, to the series, and it was a great origin film. Let me ask you: Was there a lot of wire work before the ladder fight? There were a little bit, maybe not that obvious. In the ladder fight, there were some shots you actually see the wire, yeah. <laughs> like especially behind Yam Taegun, you know, when he got flipped and stuff. You can actually see the wire. But yeah, yeah I mean, there's no choice. I mean, with with the way. That ladder fight was created. I mean, it was set up and designed. You had to use wires, right? You know, and also with the, you know, also, the ladder flying around. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, it was unavoidable for them to use wires. But, also, right. Jet getting injured probably didn't help. Right, That's right. True. But yeah, I mean, this is a solid film. It's a great start to the series. And again, like 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 Eric said, I agree with Eric. Like when I first saw it, I thought this is a little bit too long. But now I, I'm, I you know, I'm glad it's that long. You know, it's great. Nice, yeah, when, nice. I, when I saw it, I saw it also in a Chinatown theater, and I wanted it to last forever. I was sitting in the audience just going. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to mention, you know, the nationalism theme in this film. You know, you know, Trey Hart has always had all these political theme in his film, and you know, uh, while he went all out, like in Sourceman too, and, and of course in the East as well, where you have basically you know Hong Kong, China, and and and. Uh, Britain, you know, representing, you know, by all these different uh, factions. But, you know, here, so, I mean, you have the theme of nationalism, right? You know, the, the upholding the Chinese, you know, the, 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 the protecting the nation from foreign invaders and stuff. And, you know, there was, it was not, not overly done. I thought it was very nicely done. Uh, it wasn't exaggerated. Um, obviously, some of the Western characters were a little stereotypical, but then that is, you know, as to be expected, and I, I didn't think they were overdone as well. Of course, the, the political era group will have a total like 180 degree turn in this sequel. But, you know, to me, this was like, this, you know, to me, Terry Hogg is really using this, this Wang Fei Hong story to express his fear about the future of China, Hong Kong being taken over by China. And as, as the film progresses, that theme becomes more and more prominent, but definitely more so in the sequel. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well said, well said. Yeah, phenomenal film overall. Very, very good. And uh, if anybody wants to keep talking shit about the end letter finale fight, go watch Go watch The Musketeer. <laughs> Does anybody remember that? Yeah, nobody that remembers that, that No one remembers that? Like, yeah, also... yeah. And I'm, I'm the, only, the only reason I remember it is because they basically ripped off the end ladder fight and at the end of that movie. And did it poorly. Yes. <laughs> I agree. All right. Should for shits and giggles, should I read the plot synopsis for the next movie? <laughs> Just for fun. These plot synopsis for number two. Just for fun. <sighs> Just for fun. Here we go. All right. All right. Hold on one second. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was legend. That was a legendary plot synopsis in the beginning. Oh, man, it's going to be funny. All right, here we go. Once Upon a Time in China 2, very next year, 1992, uh, plot synopsis. Arriving by train in Guangzhou, 1895, the trio fight off the White Lotus followers who want to kill all foreigners and the cute European-dressed 13th aunt. <laughs> it's not Kung Fu Master Dr. Wong's last fight. What? <laughs> <laughs> all right this is hilarious this is hilarious all right starting next next week's verses oh we'll be using wikipedia but yeah that's pretty funny though. it's actually kind of funny they'll to make fun to, of it you'll have to edit them though because they're very long <laughs> okay okay yeah i'll probably i'll probably just do that just for fun just have you guys do it uh but yeah see auntie 13 is still cute in this one uh so the plot synopsis is right about that one uh, but yeah, you know, I, I was not expecting this one uh, to to blow me away just as much as the first. Um, Donnie Yen, baby man, Donnie Yen, really. I mean, I just now, Rick, did he get nominated for best supporting actor for this film, or am I mistaken? I'm. I don't. I don't believe so. But I don't. Okay. Know. I don't know. Okay. I can look it up. I think both films won best action choreography, though. Yes. Yeah, oh. Okay. Yeah. Now. Yuen Wu Ping did this one, correct? Right. Yes. Okay. 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 And uh, okay, so the latter fight, phenomenal. Oh, the white, I, the white lotus cult. Well, yes. Go ahead, Rick. Here we go. At okay. the 12th Hong Kong Film Awards, it was nominated for best film, best director, best supporting actor, Donnie Yen. All right. Best new performer, Hong Yan Yan. Best art direction, Eddie Ma. Best cinematography, Arthur Wong. Best film editing, Marco Mack. Best Action Choreography, Yun Wu Ping, and it won. It also won for Best Original Film Score by Richard Yun and uh, John Gil. Nice. And it also won for Best Original Film Song at the 28th Golden Horse Film Festival while being nominated for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor. In this case, it was Max Mock, not Donnie, and Best Action Choreography. Hmm. All right. There you go. Wow, cleaned house there. Look at yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, really, really, really enjoyed this one. Same thing. Great cinematography, great soundtrack. Love the fight scenes, love the characters. I did miss Yoon Bial, though. I did miss him. But then again, it seems like with the, with Foon's character in this one, he, he didn't really do much. Uh, he was just kind of there. You know, he did a little, you know, when he was on screen, he was okay. The actor that they got did a good job. But I don't know. I just kind of miss the old, uh, the third dragon. I kind of miss him, so... Uh, but it would have been nice to have him in there, even if it was for a, sh a few scenes. It would have been nice to see you and me out there. Uh, but yeah, again, <coughs> thinking you know of any negatives, I can't really think of any major issues I had with the movie. Maybe one tiny one, one tiny one, and that is, I love both encounters between Donnie and Jet Li. They're, they're filmed beautifully. When, they, when we get to the staff fight and Donnie is testing him out and the way the camera movement is following them and tracking them during it, I was like, and that music and the way things were filmed and just, I was sitting on the couch and my buddy just like, dude, this is fucking dope, man. Like, this is like so good, you know. But my only tiny pet peeve, even though those are two major highlights, both of them fighting each other, my only little tiny pet peeve, little, eh, little nugget, is that Donnie Yen didn't get one hit on Jet Li. 
You didn't get not one hit at all. I think the villain in the first movie actually gave, I think he hit Donnie Yen three times. You know, he had to cheat. I'm, I'm, excuse me, he hit Jet Li three right. times in the first movie. He had to cheat with the with the hair whip and the, and the blade. You know, he had to be sneaky about it. But but the leader of the White Lotus cult oh, yeah, actually yeah. gave gave Jet Li more <laughs> of a fight in terms of uh, he actually you know put Jet Li in danger. I don't know. I don't know. That is rare for a Donnie Yen film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very rare. A lot of Donnie Yen film. Oh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> again, again, I love both of those fights are phenomenal. They're amazing. I love them. I just would have it would have been nice to see you know the 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 villain get look just give you know I don't think Jet Li was in danger at all. Uh, you know he, maybe he maybe the character when he when he when he brought out the cloth stick you gotta love that that's an mm. amazing <laughs> weapon. I was like what is happening and, he, and Donnie brings out this cloth stick which was a lot of fun. Uh, De- Jet Li was, you know, Wong Fan was a little bit in danger, I guess, a little. But it would have been nice to get if Donnie got some hits. I think I wanted them to fight hand to hand at one point a little. I think that would have been a little extra bonus for the old samurai if they went toe to toe there. But other than that, that's a very tiny, very tiny nitpick complaint because both of their, you know, interactions when they start when they fought each other was phenomenal. But yeah, I really enjoyed this one as well. And I, I, as soon as the white uh, lotus cult showed up, I was like, "Oh shit, we got some uh, legendary weapons of China characters in here, man!" I was like, "This is awesome. This is awesome." But yeah, these types of characters, Rick, this 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 cult, it's been through a lot of martial arts films, right? Like, yeah, been- oh, yeah, absolutely. They're a famous. They're a famous uh, group in actual Chinese history. So, right. Yeah. Copy they're, that. Not, they're not movie characters. They're real people. They're real characters, yeah. They're real characters. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, other than that, really, really nothing uh, that negative to say about it. Kyle, go ahead. Okay, so let's see. How would I start this one? <laughs> you hate Donnie <laughs> by you saying, hate, you hate I'll Donnie tell you about, by saying that, how do I start this one? Yeah. That's a good way to start. Yeah, because <laughs> this one, like, I will say that the fact that this one actually continues on properly. Not where, like, okay, we're a year later and this happens. This actually continues, like, Wong Fei Hong's, like, wanting to keep traditional, but also keep tradition, but also just evolve with what he is known and, like, learn, going off with, um, with, uh, Fun and at 13 to Guangzhou and, he go attends a seminar, a medical seminar, where it's like all Western medicine and traditional medicine. And then, um, forgive me for not knowing Chinese politics, but yet he meets Sun Sun Wen, basically. So, yeah, Sun Yat-sen, who's basically the revolutionary that helped shape China and Hong or Hong Kong mostly, I would say, right, Frank. Well, you know, he brings China into sort of a more of a democratic nation. Yes. Until the communists took over, of course. Yeah. And then Taiwan, so, of course, you know, you know, I mean, that you know, without him, there wouldn't have been a Taiwan. And the fact that it doesn't play too much of a, a political overtone, as most films do. <laughs> but this one was just like, you see how Aunt 13, she wants to learn to fight with them, um, with 
Wong Fei Hong and he teaches her, and then there's like that little backlash of him just like treating her like a student. He's like, oh, sorry, I I, I didn't realize that this is how I usually talk to my students. And he just backpedals, and I realize like that that makes sense to certain martial arts instructors or kung fu instructors do that most of the time to their students, and there's not really that that much like of like there is respect and also just just that how instructors just give that type of instruction and ex expect you to understand it compared to bringing emotion along. Um, the introduction to Donnie Yen's character, you get to see that he's an equal to Jet Li's Wong Fei Hong. And it's interesting like how he serves under the Qing government and yet he has to adapt in a way of his own sense along with like trying to manipulate the the British Council of like yeah give give us this this is who we're after even even working with the White Lotus clan to just basically uh, okay we're gonna let you guys go in here and then we'll make it look like this it it was really interesting to see how that the fight between the and I believe like Hong Yang Yan is basically Jet Li's stunt double throughout like the series and for him to actually finally get a proper villain character him like the priest the priest that fight alone just stacking up the t tables and everything it was just beautifully done it's insane and it's insane <laughs> do, you, do you think it's, <laughs> just, do you think it's more insane than the latter fight it's almost equal i would equal? say okay almost equal until to the point where <laughs> Yeah. He gets impaled, and I swear to God, I was just waiting to hear to say it. He gets impaled on the statue, and is and it's right through the stomach. And I was like, I, I want to say it. I want to say Kali Ma. Kali Ma. Kali Ma. I had man. to bring that back. Everybody, but, wow. but it did. They go that route. So, yeah. but he a, I appreciate he was a fraud. Yeah, he was a he fraud, was a and fraud. Just, even like how Brother Luke felt like, um, what's it called? Brother Luke felt sad for shooting one the child that was involved in that cult. And I, I'm kind of sad too now that I watch this film. Like the the only disadvantage I would say from my standpoint is from my standpoint is that when all the when Wong Fei Hong hit all the little kids in the thing, my my, my recent-minded thing went in meme territory. And when the White Lotus uh, sect goes into that room and the kids are ready to fight, I, I just saw in my head, like, where's Anakin? Where's Anakin just bringing out lightsaber and ready, ready to obliterate those what? kids? You're all over the place. <laughs> Kyle's all over the place today. Right now, it's... Hi, are you on drugs? <laughs> no! Not that I know of. <clears throat> all I know is that that film alone, just, just that scene alone, just made me do all the weird memes that I was just like, shit! Stop doing this! But the final fight between Donnie and Jet Li really showed that they were evenly matched up until the end, and then even um, Brother Luke fighting, dying for his belief to, to get, and both Wong Fei Hong and Fun trying to get that dream to Sun Wen really worked 
really well in the end. And that's the only downside I would say that this advantage is me thinking of all the memes. <laughs> that's it. You're the negative. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I am the biz- negative of all welcome, this. Welcome to Bizarro World. All right, go ahead, Rick. Well, this is one of the rare sequels, along with Godfather 2 and From Russia with Love, that arguably, well, it certainly excelled in terms of box office. It made more money than the first one. And it was more critically acclaimed than the first one. And it was a more than worthy follow-up. In fact, I'm fairly certain that Choi Hark, being Choi Hark, and I've met him I admire him enormously. I've met him, uh, it's safe to say, many times. Um, And, yeah, I respect him enormously. Watched the first movie and knew what he did wrong or didn't do as well as he wanted to and said, all right, this time I'm going to nail it. And, in fact, he improves virtually everything, including the Western actors. There's no, there's no clangingly awful line reading by the, by the white actors. In fact, the, um, uh, the ambassador, I think it was the ambassador of the diplomat who gets killed, I felt something for him when he was, you know, uh, it, it was really, it was an excellent job. And played by uh, Paul Fonorov, which is an actor, a local actor, yeah. Right, local actor and also writer. Right. And other things. And he, yeah, um, he said something very nice about the writing I did for uh, uh, Celestial Pictures when I did the English on the back of 300 of the Celestial Shaw Brothers DVDs. He said, he said to them, just have him do it. He likes these movies more than I do. <laughs> so in any case, uh, yeah, so, every, so that, was, that was really good. And also, I when I went to see this, and I saw this originally in the theaters, um, I didn't miss Yoon at all. And I didn't miss Jackie Chung at all. Because I felt, having seen other movies, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite Wong Fei Hong movies is Magnificent Butcher, which has, which was Yoon Woo Ping's best performance as, from a Kung Fu standpoint, certainly, as Wong Fei Hong. And highly recommended, also one of the the calligraphy fight at the beginning of that movie is one of the great Kung Fu fights of all time. Um, but I felt Yun and Jackie Chung were overcast. That doesn't mean that it was cloudy out. It means that they cast two, two well-known actors in these supporting roles. In other words, I wanted to see the character. I didn't want to see the actor. And when Yun and Jackie, who I, again, admire enormously were in those roles, all I could see was them. I couldn't see the characters. And in this one with Max and uh, whoever played uh, Bucktooth, and, and I think, didn't they eliminate Bucktooth? They eliminated Bucktooth. Only Leung Fun remains, right? Yeah, so Troy again saying, all right, this is not going to work. And I mean, I did my homage to the character. I used them. Now let's move on and not put in Cantonese uh, comedy cliches or stereotypes. And uh, let's see what other I had in my notes. Uh, I'll, I'll wait for David. Some, someone, no one has mentioned it up until now, so they, apparently you were kind enough to save it for me since I had been mentioning Shaw Brothers. The person I was so happy to see in this movie 
was David Chang. David. David Chang, who was one of the great stars of the Chang Che movies for the Shaw Brothers. Just, a, just a, and this movie, he he gets that's this is probably, if not his greatest performance, one of his greatest performances. Also dubbed his own voice. Dubbed his own voice. Wonderful performance. Just really gave the movie a, a, a beating heart. And his sequence at the end when he's trying to say, you know, and he's saving the booklet and the flag. Oh my gosh, it just I mean, even thinking about it, again, I I was thrilled for the first one, but I felt really honest emotions. And that's what this movie has. It has a perfect mix of action, drama, comedy, romance, pathos, meaning, politics. It's certainly one of Choi Hark's greatest achievements. And just beautiful. And again, Tai Chi, the word, and the yin-yang sign, which is the representative of Tai Chi, the word means balance. And this movie was just Tai Chi up the wazoo. It was just so wonderfully balanced. And it's little little wonder that Yun Wu Ping has made some of the best Tai Chi sequences in cinema because he understands it. And you can see him involving that. That's one of the reasons that I love the fight against the cult more than I love the ladder fight because the ladder fight was great. It was all Kung Fu, but there was everything had an underpinning and also was a tremendous example of my favorite kind of Kung Fu fight or my favorite kind of screen fight. Everyone's fighting in character. Everybody fight in nobody's, you can distinguish everyone's fighting style. They weren't fighting with what I've, with, with what I've t- labeled now mum. They weren't doing mum. Mum is now the main thing we see in action movies. Mum stands for mixed up martial arts. This was pure Kung Fu. One guy, and also you see the difference between Kung Fu being practiced by someone evil and Kung Fu being practiced by someone good. Kung Fu is this balanced, six-part self-improvement system where if you're good, you do literally become more powerful. Because if you're evil and you don't have love in your heart, you're weaker because you're using your muscles and your anger more. And if you use your chi and your your sense of caring, your empathy, you will be far more powerful. And that's what was so awesome about this movie because what you were talking about in terms of Jet fighting at the end of the movie and no, and Donnie not giving him a shot, that's because Donnie was so fucking evil ah, and, and stupid and, and conflicted. So just like at the end of the fight with the ladders, Jet knew the guy was done when he throws his cue behind his head, you know, and he take and the guy has to cheat in the first movie. He has to right. cheat. And Jet finds it. And again, look at Jet looking at that that little knife at the end of his uh, pigtail and then cutting it off and look and look at his expression when he cuts it off, the look of disgust and disdain. And then at that point, that character is dead to him. And he's not even going to give him any face at all. Face, of course, which is a Chinese concept, giving them respect. He's not giving them any respect. And it's the same thing at the end when he's taking on, it's kind of like, all right. And if you, again, if you watch him the way you watch Donnie in the Ip Man fight, He's almost all defensive. He does not want to hurt or kill Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen is a cop. 
maybe a corrupt one, but a, he's an authority figure. And he sort of like allows Donnie to kill himself. He, and also, I was a, I unfortunately had already interviewed Donnie a couple of times, at least twice by the time I saw this movie. So the final fight was a little colored by what I knew about Donnie. <laughs> I could pretty much guess what happened in that final sequence. That was a period of time when Donnie was going into the press and there was a rumor that he would never fight anyone on screen who couldn't beat him in real life. And so it's kind of like, and, and I'm sure Jet, knowing Jet, you know, was just going, oh, please, it's a movie, okay? <laughs> just come on. <laughs> but that, and I bet there was a lot of negotiation. There was a lot of chatting because you, because, this was around also at the time that he fell out of, uh, he, he, he broke up with Yun Wu-Ping. He, you know, he deserted Yun Wu-Ping and he left Yun Wu-Ping. And it wasn't until many years later when I reintroduced him at a lunch we were both at that they ever, that they saw each other again. And I'm pretty sure there was a lot of conversation about his death. You know, I shouldn't die this way. I should live, I should, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And you can kind of see that in the fight. He was very reluctant to die. <laughs> that shot where he puts up his fist and he's like trying not to bleed kind of cool but yeah. also they had to kind of add the special effects afterwards and Troy Hark's going don't worry you'll die <laughs> Donnie <laughs> it's not your movie <laughs> <laughs> is that a new meme we're going to start here yeah. Donnie is not your movie <laughs> yeah. and by the way yes you're right uh, Hong Yang Yang who played the cult leader was Jet's stuntman who was brought in after he hurt himself, after mm -hmm. Jet hurt himself in number one. And everybody loved him and respected him so much that they gave him bigger and bigger roles throughout the series. And not only was he a stuntman for Jet, but he was also Iron, he was Iron Foot, Iron Club Leg? Clubfoot. Club Club yeah, Clubfoot in the subsequent ones. So, yeah, all in all, uh, I... I was really happy after the first one, but after the second one, I was in love. <laughs> yeah, all right. Nice. Eric? I would like to begin with a question for Rick. Now, I remember years ago, I remember seeing an interview with Donnie, and I swear he said this, but I don't, I don't remember if I'm thinking of the right movie. And Donnie was doing an interview, and he said, yeah, you know, when we were doing the scene with the polls – you know, uh, they laid the poles out on the table and, and Jet ran to the to the two easiest poles and he picked up the two easier ones. And I said, all right, I'll, I'll handle the two harder poles to, to maneuver with. Was, is that a true story? I couldn't tell you whether it's true. I mean, he never said it to me. Oh, OK. It sounds like him. I thought for sure I heard that at one point. <laughs> also, and also it, it also, I mean, since it was, do you know where you saw the interview? Because it was it was a really a guaylo thing to say. I don't know. I think it was on like a. He was either on a internet or a DVD special feature. Okay, because you know there's no such there's no such thing as an easier or a harder pull. <laughs> there's only an easier or harder approach to it. But mm. also, I completely understand. And again, Jet would not have had to have run. He just would have taken the ones that were easier for him because he's. Maybe he said lighter instead of easier. Maybe that's, well, that's what he said. Well, easier is more than is is likely, and also yeah. 
the kind of thing Donnie uses to to, to keep score, which mm-hmm. is something what I consider a real kung fu student to to talk about. That's just nonsense. That's you know again ego. Mm-hmm. And, should be separate from if you're going to really learn all six parts of Kung Fu in balance. But yeah, it sounds it sounds like uh, Donnie. <laughs> so this film opens with two boot two dudes eating burning incense sticks, and then one guy gets kicked in the balls and doesn't even feel it. That's how you see the movie, baby. I like these dudes. These white lotus dude. And I've seen that, by the way. I've seen that in real life. The ball kicking. Yes. One of my teachers was known as Iron Balls. Really? <laughs> he was. Oh, he's he's the one, in fact, who did my astonishing painting of Damo. I have a four by three foot uh, painting that he did while standing on eggs. It, it, oh, oh my incredible! Goodness. We have to do another podcast about my trips to Taiwan. Sure. sure. It's crazy, but yeah, that's, man. Yeah, but that's Kung Fu. Again, that's Kung yeah. Fu. But go ahead. Carry on. I'm sorry, I interrupt. No, no, it's good. Yeah, I do, I do like the way the film is shot. I might even like uh, the way this film looks even a little bit more than the first one, just the way the lighting and the way the way it's shot and the cinematography is very nice. Um, I do think, obviously, I mean, the two finale fights in this are just amazing. Yes. And one thing I will notice is that Wong Fei Hung's attitude towards uh the white lotus cult fight he had some attitude during that scene like he was taunting those guys pretty strong so i really kind of i was like wow you know and i i uh i was taken aback and it i liked that and he was he was all over the place almost like uh patronizing them and everything like that so i it elevated the intensity of that scene dramatically i thought that fight he was really and then yeah and then um oh now, another weird connection I'm, I'm drawing here, I don't know, is Mortal Kombat, Samurai Guy. Do you okay. think Liu <laughs> Kang, with the kicks, took it from this movie? Uh, the No Shadow Kick move, you mean? Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of Wong Pyong's um, signature moves. Yeah, Shadowless Kick. Shadowless Kick. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. They, they borrowed it because cause this was 92, right? Yeah, I think Mortal Kombat came out in '95. Right. So there you go. Pretty much, definitely. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I just noticed. Yeah, I drew that comparison here, and then, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what else to say about these fights. They're just fantastic. I like, you know, the the scene with I like the whole scene with the brick wall, where the guy's trying to escape and there's nowhere to go, and then you know Donnie makes the mistake of throwing of creating a small hole in the wall, and then they have to fight. And have to manipulate it to where he makes the hole bigger during the fight. I thought it was really neat. I really yeah. liked that scene. And uh, it's just the, the imagination that comes into some of these uh, choreography and the fights is really, really nice. And obviously you get these two actors in their prime going at it, which is nice to see. So, yeah, I, I, uh, again, this one's really good flick. The only thing, if I had to get... If I had to make a little bit of a criticism, there were times during the opening hour when the White Lotus Clan is not on screen. It felt just a tad dry, a little bit drier than the first film, I thought. But I don't know. It was just something I felt during that opening hour. But, uh, yeah, this is a very solid sequel. I also yeah. I also want to make mention, I meant to do this before, that another reason that the cult fight is so amazing was the emotional 
the emotional foundation for it. And when that child is shot, spoiler alert, the reaction of, again, the reaction of David Chang, the whole thing is so brilliantly structured, that fight, that culminates in the shooting of the child. And, you know, the moment when that child stands up and says that, you know, and makes that her little statement and then suffers what she's, it's just so brilliantly done. And again, uh, at the end, David Chang saving the flag from burning. Oh, and just the political, just great. Go on, Frank. I, I'm in love. I'm in love. <laughs> you hear Frank, Frank, ha- Frank hated it. Frank hated it. Yeah, Frank hated it. <laughs> You guys want to hear a true Donnie Yen story? Oh Please. shit! Oh, no. oh shit! You know, you know, we, you know, Tai Seng did the condensed version of his TV series Fist of Fury, and and so we had him do an audio commentary for the condensed version, and he was in Burbank. He was in LA at that time, making Blade Two. He's trying to make a name for himself in LA. He was, he was making Blade Two. Oh, by so, the way, you know, he made a name for himself. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you that name that he made for himself after. Oh, sure, sure, but yeah. So anyway, <laughs> oh man. So we booked the studio in L.A. to record the audio commentary. We told him what time he needs to be there. So we booked the we booked the studio. Minimum has to be two hours, right? We booked you know the minimum time to book the studio is two hours. It was one hundred fifty dollars per hour. He show up ninety minutes late, Boy. and. We had to extend the studio session by another two hours because he, he showed up late. And he was blaming, you know, he's all, you know, you know the bird. He said, you know the LA traffic, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so because of him showing up 90 minutes late, we, we you know, we, it cost us an extra $300 to record the audio commentary. So that, that's the true story. Wow. <laughs> and the, this, is, I, I, this is what I've heard from my friends who are stunt arrangers and stunt coordinators and action directors. He came to America to make a name for himself by appearing in Blade 2 and Highlander 2, I believe. Endgame, yeah. Endgame. He made a name for himself, all right. He made a name for himself, much like Terry Hatcher's name in Tomorrow Never Dies. Which is, if you'll notice, he disappears from both (laughs) movies within 10 minutes. (laughs) Because the word is, on the street, babies, on the set, that he... His attitude on those sets was stunning, unfathomable. Everybody, everybody on those movies hired him because they respected his work so much. And he showed up, and he didn't have a chip on his shoulder. He had the rock of Gibraltar on his shoulder. <laughs> he was just throwing his weight around in, in, in intolerable ways. So sure enough, it was like, Thank you for stopping by. Mm-hmm. You can go now. <laughs> All right. So this this move this sequel was much more streamlined, right? Whereas in the first film, you have multiple plots, multiple characters, maybe a little bit, you know, extra fat if you can kind of say, it, but still very entertaining. And like I said, Troy Hart put everything, ties everything together, you know, near the finale. This film is much more streamlined. The story is much more compact. You have less characters. And as a result, everything feels just more so focused, you know. And also because you already know these characters from the first film, you you, you already know, have an idea. And so it's, it's just very gratifying, you know, to see, like, the romantic subplot uh, going further between An-13 and Wong Fei-Hong. It's nice, you know, even though, and, like, and, and I felt Max Mock did a terrific job 
substituting, you know, um, Yun Bill for Lang Fun, you know, I thought he, he's a very believable character, believable Lang Fun. You just step right in, and, and I no no problem just, you know, watching him playing what Yun Bill played in the first film. And of course, the fights are tremendous. You know, Yun Wo Ping choreography is great. And, and virtually almost like a nonstop, you know, fight action sequence, one after another. And also the location is also very focused. You know, the majority, you know, almost the entire centerpiece of the film happened at the, at the uh, consulate, uh, you know, you know that, that ambassador had mentioned. So like almost a good one third of the film was set in there. Then we would go straight to the, you know, the Lotus, White Lotus Cult um, temple and then, you know, the final scene at the shrimp market. What, you know, again, like that whole final, that incredible final 50 minutes, just incredible, you know, all that two major fight scenes, you know, you had this great fight scene with the White Lotus Cult leader, you know, played by Hong Yan Yan, fantastic introduction to Hong Yan Yan, who of course, you know, went on even greater acclaim as Clubfoot, but then this was a wonderful introduction there. I think he's a highly underrated action choreographer in Hong Kong actor cinema. But then after that, you have this, you also have this fight with Donnie Yan. This amazing staff fight, you know, with the with the real staffs, bamboo staff, and then later on with the cloth. I mean, that is just astonishing, you know, the this creativity of it, the 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 brutality of it, and of course they and like like Eric said, it moved the story along, you know. They're trying to escape, right? Lam Fu is trying to escape, and they have to trick Donnie into making that hole bigger and bigger. For an escape, so the fight also serves the purpose of the story, which again is very rare nowadays in in in, all, in these movies. But <clears throat> what elevated this sequel for me was the political allegory. Um, you have Sun Yat-sen crying out loud, you know, "Father of Chinese democracy" in this film. All right, I mean, that's a real character. That's a real life character. You know, this is, you know we're talking about real history here. So, and to have all these. Allegory about White Lotus Cult. White Lotus Cult, in essence, really, you know, Trey is really equating White Lotus Cult with China. He's saying, These are, you know, this is what China is going to come and poison, you know, you can say Hong Kong or whatever, you can say, you know, think think of whatever you like. To, to you know, for him, White Lotus Cult is, is whatever is bad about China in general. And then you have all these uh, very subtle political talk about the clock, the watcher, you know, you know, like like David Chang telling Sun Yat-sen, you know, oh, you know, Doctor Sun, your your clock, your watch moves faster than mine, oh, right? I mean, that just means your mind, you know, your your wish, you know, you 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 hoping for a better future for your country. So obviously, you're way ahead of us. You know, your thinking is way ahead of us. And then the kids, the kids to me represent Hong Kong, the future of Hong Kong. And to at the end, you know, when when when. When David Chan said to them, you know, I, you know, you guys represent the future. I hope, I hope you will see the, you know, I hope you you guys will grow to see a, a brighter future, a, you know, a more hopeful, better future. What is that? That's obviously him talking about hopefully Hong Kong can see a better future even after the handover. So, you know, remember this film was made, uh, came out five years before the handover. So this is on everybody's mind by then. You know, in the first film, maybe not as much. It's still '91, but this was at the tournament. Right, and you have five years left. So this is on everybody's mind by then. So obviously, Trey Hawk is reflecting his own feelings about the handover through this film, and that just takes the film to a whole other level, you know. And, and then as he progresses, Swordsman Two, and the East is Red, 
the political allegory will become more and more obvious or blatant, and sometimes even overdone. But to me, this was perfect. But the allegory in this film was perfect. It served the story very well. You can see into it. He's not telling you directly what he's trying to tell you. But you can feel it. And at the end, when you know, when when um, uh, when Sun Yat-sen opened that flag, you know, you see that flag. Obviously, that's the democracy flag. You know, the that will eventually become the national flag of Taiwan or the or the new republic. You know, you can't help but wonder. That's what that's what Chair is saying. This is the future. So you know, the 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 the, the more democratic, uh, you know, a more democratic China is the future. So, you know, this just puts the thing on a whole other level. I mean. Fight incredible, characterization incredible, the humor just right, acting great. But yeah, I mean, this this was something special. That's all. Yes, yes, phenomenal. And uh, cloth stick, y'all. What what y'all know about the cloth stick? Come on, <laughs> what y'all know about the cloth stick? Badass. Badass. I love, I love this this original fun weapons that <laughs> they come across the you know Hong Kong action cinema, but just. Like what Frank was saying, just beautiful fight sequences, man. I lost my shit when I saw this staff fight. Sitting on the couch, watching an old school VHS tape on a big, big old bubble TV. Uh, and I was just like, this is phenomenal, man. This phenomenal movie. Are you guys uh, ready to vote? Or is there anything else you'd like to say well, I don't know. about the film? Yeah. Well, two more things. Yeah, I mean, uh, about the, the, the cloth thing. I remember the theater, man, when, when he started doing this. When Don Yen picking up the club and started doing this, yeah, yeah. right here. Yeah, oh yeah. man, the entire theater just kind of like, wow, you know. <laughs> and then, and then when, when you know, when Jet, when Wong Fei Hong slashed his throat with the bamboo, and then you saw the blood gushing up, yeah. the entire, all the whole thing went, ooh. I mean, nice. yeah, love it. That's what watching move these films in a crowded theater with a big crowd is all about, man. Yeah, yeah, the share experience. Tragic. Tragically, we'll probably never see this It's Like Again. No. Yeah. yeah. Because Troy's wishes did not come true. But thankfully, shout out again to Eureka. <laughs> Non-sponsored. <laughs> Non-sponsored. <laughs> if you'd like to sponsor me, let me know. Uh, hint, hint, Frank. Samurai I'll, sponsors. I'll let them know. I'll, I'll tell them. Yeah, let them know. I, I told them about the podcast. I told them I'm I'm, I'm doing this podcast. Yeah, let let them know. That'd be great. I would love to, yeah. uh, to, to, to let people know about their awesome products. I really would. All right, you guys ready to vote? It's time to vote. Now, usually we save the poll results at the end. Do you want to see it first? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. Rick, I need your help on this one. I'm actually kind of confused. What's that? Here we go. Ready? Boom. Oh. I'm I'm lost. Wow, I'm kind of lost on this one because you think they would because Donnie and being in the second one, you think that would have been the more popular choice. I'm well, stunned. I'm guessing. You haven't seen it. Of course, well, no, yeah, exactly, Frank. I believe that you can find Once Upon a Time in China on streaming services. Oh. Of course, there was an American uh, release of the DVD with an with an. Uh, an audio commentary the AV Club called one of the best ever. <laughs> Who did that one? I don't know. Who so, you know, and by May, and it was also one of the, the premier uh, releases, DVD releases from a major company. This wasn't, this wasn't an independent. This was Columbia TriStar was who put this thing out. So I, I have to assume more people have seen it. 
And also Frank makes a very, has made an interesting point because you hear Frank talking about his reaction to Sun Yat-sen and the White Lotus cult. This is something that Frank knows intimately from, it's part of his history. And so most of the voters for this, for this, for these movies are probably not Chinese. So they're reacting to the one that they, they're closer to that, and with a plot that they understand a little better. Okay. Okay. Or at least the mm-hmm. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. But yeah, that was a, a huge difference there. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? I was not expecting that. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, we, can... we can vote. All right. I will be last, as always. Kyle? You can't, pick, almost... you can't pick You can't pick. Uh, episode three. Star Wars episode three. You can't four. Pick no, I, I, I was going to pick Temple of Doom. The... <laughs> 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 no, uh... I almost was gonna. What's it called? I I did not have an actual vote before right now, and I almost voted with the audience. Be, but just seeing how much everything was in the first film, it is more streamlined in the second one, and just how the second one really flows much better. And you you almost can see both of these films together, but. You see how Wong Fei Hung is actually like evolving with his traditional sense, but also just becoming like the hero that he's known to be. And um, my vote is Once Upon a Time in China too. All right, Electric Boogaloo. Rick. <laughs> I also want to recommend to the audience if you want to see Hung Yang Yang at his best, as well as some really exceptional. And we mentioned this last week with the Wing Chun movies as well. See. Uh, uh, Ip Man final fight mm-hmm. because he plays the main villain in that and he's just awesome and the movie is exceptional. But be that as it may, as I as you can pretty much mm-hmm. already guess, the only thing that couldn't possibly beat Once Upon a Time in China is Once Upon a Time in China too. So that's what I'm voting for. All right, Eric. That's tough. <laughs> I know, right? Ah. Uh... <laughs> uh... Man, you're on a, uh, you're on an island. Max Payne. You only have to choose one of these two. You know, you know before what? I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the first one. I'm gonna All go right. with the first. I just there's just something when I just a, just a tad bit of of I don't know what it is. I, I can't even tell you why. Just okay. a tad bit. I just I was into the first one just a tiny bit more. So I'm gonna pick the first one. All right. Mixing it up. Now, if everybody jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? (laughs) (laughs) Classic ear pressure. Shame on you. No, that's that's (laughs) Who you got, Frank? You know, it's hard to imagine these films are now 30 years old. I still couldn't believe it. I mean, the first film is 91, the second film is 92, and it just looks so fresh and like. Watching now, it's like they were shot again with the Eureka remasters, like they were made yesterday. Um, you know, Trey Hart is kind of like a prophet. Now, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the um, chamber's m- there. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Trey Hart, you know, looking back now, Trey Hart is like a prophet, especially with, 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 these, with this film. <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on, Columbia TriStar, you can promote this thing. You know, you know, like especially consider what I've happened in Hong Kong the past few years. Looking back at what Treyarch was trying to say in in in, in you know the sequel, it's just like there's almost it's almost kind of painful to watch 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 it again. You know, watching the parallel. You know, because you essentially what you're seeing these revolutionary in the family, you know, David Chang's and Yasen. You know, these are revolutionary, and 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 of course, Donnie Yen's, you know, the villain guy in, in essence is is trying to crack down on these um, revolutionaries. You know, he's the out, you know, he's the ultimate villain. You know, he he acts like a good guy, but he's the ultimate villain. And you know, just with that alone, you know, I would have to put the sequel above the first one. But also, I think the fights, the fights in the second film is just more grounded in reality. You know, there's less use of wire food, is more traditional and. I'm not saying the first one's bad. It's just that comparing the two fights, you know, the, the fights yeah. in the two films, I just felt that the second film is just more grounded in reality, and it, it, it serves the story much more better. It moved the story along. It propelled the plot, and yeah. you know, for that, I I have to go with number two. Yes. All right, nice. You'd be happy to know, Frank. These will always be eternal because they do not make them like this, and they never will again. Mm-hmm. They never can. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like yeah. that's it. True yep. classics. True classics. All right. It is down to me. Here we go. I'm choosing cloth stick. I love your fake suspense. Love your fake suspense. You love it? Because it already won even before it got to do. <laughs> Wait, so what Temple of Doom didn't win? <laughs> like like a, a reality show. They always try to create suspense. <laughs> Temple, of Doom. Temple of Doom didn't win because Harrison Ford Cantonese wasn't perfect. Yeah. Oh, we have fun. <laughs> no, we, no we, we, we just do the Mike Tyson thing where he just... It just uh, tries to, you know, I talk about Eric and like in Mon three. <laughs> and now oh. the real, the real, it's going to be, it's going to get real now. I mean, next week is an awesome episode, as yes. all of these have been awesome. But what's happening now in real life in the real life cinema world will dictate whether it's going to be possible in our, all of our lifetimes to ever see a movie like this again. Because I don't know if you heard the news today. I'm pretty sure you did, Frank. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you did too, Samurai, of what China is saying about allowing Shang Chi into into the country. Actually, I haven't read the article yet. If you want to read it, China took uh, Shang Chi and Eternals off the schedule slate for China for Marvel films in China. So what's their problem? What's the problem? What isn't their problem? Yeah, <laughs> really. The problem is, it's a matter of what isn't, and. Gotcha. They're they're playing a deep game, but they, as I've been saying all along, they are not happy. They do not smile upon kung fu, mm. and they do not smile upon America. When I was, it was a very short period of time when I was consultant for American businesses about how they can break into China, and unfortunately, I I didn't stay in that job long because what I told them is not something anybody wanted to do in America, and also pretty much impossible you know you have to kowtow and you have to kowtow like you mean it and you have to go in expecting not to get it and they their arrogance and their ego would take over to the point where there was no way 
you have to play as long a game as China is playing, and this, and China is, is sort of like designed. We're going to humiliate Guaylo, because Guaylo's got a, a big, you know, Gibraltar chip on his shoulder. Hmm. So uh, at this point, they don't want a technique, a self improvement system that opens your mind hmm. and concentrates on excellence of the self. They want excellence of the group. They want excellence of the country. They don't want excellence of the self, and they don't want uh, things that open your mind. They want you to have a closed mind, to follow discipline, to follow orders. You also said that Fu Manchu, the Mandarin, was a was a racist character, even though Fu Manchu was Manchurian, not Chinese. So I'm going to be fascinated to see what Marvel does now in response.、Mm. Marvel is not going to give up their continuing efforts to bring minority. Uh, actors and productions to the fore,、right. women, African Americans, China, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Asian. Period. Yeah. So I'm going to be very curious because right now China has a big club. Because、mm -hmm. uh, Frank, what what is their standing in world cinema? In terms, are they the number one <coughs> box office wise? China, yes. Well, everybody's going to be kowtowing to them trying to get in. But and so they're feeling their power and they're wielding their power. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, Exhibit A, Monster Hunter. Yep, and、mm. all, well, no, that's not Exhibit. Unfortunately, and also Mulan.、Mm -hmm. Disney does exceptional work, except with you know, with that terrible、uh, elf movie, Artemis Fowl, the、mm. Fowl movie, and with Mulan, which was just a travesty. So. I'm going to be very curious to how, how Shang Chi is. I do not want to be. I do not want to do this at any point during Shang Chi. I want to do during Shang Chi going. Oh, I know why they did that.、Right. I don't want this at any moment. I mean, by month, by month, I just mean that they have the clout to just you know block it from showing in China just because of that one little. Yeah. So what will? So what? And also, they they use the joke as an excuse in Monster. Right. That wasn't the. It was just their ticket to ride because they need well, to come、yeah. up with something. It's it's China is a lot like white male casting agents. If you remember the producers, there's that great line from that song: "You, you, you, not you." Casting people, you know. Well, why didn't you cast me? I did a great audition. You're too short. You're too tall. You're too fat. You're too thin. It's just an excuse. They really did it to exert their power over you, to make them feel feel better about their small hearts. All right, I've gone off.、Wow. On the, stop me again. <laughs> One thing. No, no, because I'm glad you explained it. Because I was、yeah. wondering. I saw the article. I was like, "What's going on now?、Yeah. What now?" So I'm、go、glad ahead, you explained、Frank. it. It's still bizarre, but yeah, go ahead. It、Frank. is. So one thing I forgot to mention is, is also about the two Once Upon a Time China films. How Cherry Hart gives strong female characters in Rosamund Kwan.、Mm -hmm. You know. Yes.、Um, remember the Better Tomorrow films. The first two films done by John Woo has pretty much weak, you know,、uh, decorative female characters. But in the part、Voss. three, yeah, Vas, right? But you, in part three, you have Anita Mui, and Anita、yeah. Mui was an equal character as、oh, Charlie、yeah, Pat and Tony Leung in that film. Whereas here again, Rosamund Kwan is a very strong female character trying to exert herself. She's not a weakling. You know, she she can take care of herself and. And she is a you know a, a, a one of the permanent part of the story, and also the 
development of the story. So yeah, kudos to Choi Hark. Yeah. Have you ever met Choi Hark's wife? See, like, no, Nancy. She no, no. I have, and they're the two of my I favorite. I heard something about her. Two of my favorite people, let alone women, is Choi Hark's wife and Chow Yun Fat's wife. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, both of them are the Iron Fist and the men of the velvet gloves. Mm -hmm. They are super awesome. And you, you watch Chow Yun-Fat, he's always going at these at these um, meetings and at these conferences, he goes, he's going, ask Jasmine. Ask Jasmine. <laughs> nice. I, met, I met Nansen first. She introduced me to Joe Park. And uh, yeah, she's, she's, so I can, yeah, let me put it this way. If, <laughs> if Joy Ark didn't put strong women in his movies, his wife would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> very no. strong woman well like rick said you know no matter what happens it's going to be interesting what the future holds for for cinema in, in, mm. in hong kong but what does the but, future hold for but, versus samurai what's yeah. the future hold for versus i'm getting to it <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know no matter what the future holds like Rick said, and Frank said, we will always have the classics like these films. Once Upon a Time in China, one and two. And these two classics that we're going to talk about next week going head-to-head, -head, baby. That's right. Stars three of the same actors, and it has one of the main villains in both films. That's right. So this is a perfect versus. We got the two kung fu comedies. Martial arts, if Rick will, allows me to say martial arts, am I, can I say martial arts this time? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We got Wheels on Meals, baby, versus Dragons Forever next week, baby. That's right. With an all-star podcast cast, we'll be here. Frank's, Frank's returning, Kung Fu Santa, Eric Kyle, Bobby Samuels will be here, Wing Chun Master Alex will be here, and Rick. F.J. DeSanto, the producer of the Transformers Netflix show, as well as the producer of virtually all the Batman movies, will be here. There you go. Jackie Chan fan number one. <laughs> oh. Nice. So it's going to be fun having him on the show next week. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but, yeah, thanks again for watching tonight, for voting, for hanging out. But all these badasses. Frank's always an honor. Rick's always an honor. Kyle, eh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> not, not badass. Not badass. Good ass. Not bad. Good, I was going to say great ass, but if you want good ass, we can do that. <laughs> always great having you, Kyle. Uh, don't forget. Thank you for having me. That's right. T uh, stay tuned for Kyle's short coming out soon. Night Watch coming out. Uh, make sure you follow Rick's podcast. Buy all his books. That's right. Buy all of the Eureka Blu-rays. And in the plot, Trey Hawk's Time and Tie coming out this month with my audio. Oh, God, yeah. That's go. a fun movie, baby. Thanks, there man. you go. And subscribe to Eric, the yeah. Indian movie enthusiast. It's always a lot of fun hanging out. There you go. He's got the DVD right there. Nice, yeah. Nice, nice. Because I have my audio commentary. <laughs> ah, there you go. So now you got to buy it again, Kyle. The most amazing there. thing about that movie is that he made that after making Double Team a knockoff. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like Jackie nice. proves after a devastatingly awful wrestling <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun hanging out with these awesome people today. And a quick reminder, just like last week, we, did, we transferred from Kung Fu to Horror last week. We're going to do that this week as well. So tomorrow... If you guys want to hang out, Movie Dojo Army, uh, 4 p.m., uh, FX Artists, 
That's right, practical effects and makeup artist Joe Castro is going to be here hanging out with the Movie Dojo Army tomorrow at 4 o'clock talking about horror films, sci-fi, and uh, all the awesome stuff that he has done for films. He is very talented. He's going to be here hanging out with us tomorrow at 4 p.m. And then we're going to segue to Monday, me and Eric. I'm sorry, Eric, but we're going to do it. (laughs) Is it really that bad? That's right. Another popular series here on the channel. Is it really that bad? Monday's episode will be about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> oh, I love that film. Is it Sean really that, Connery's is last it really that film. bad? We're going to talk oh, about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. All right. All right. Frank likes it. There you go. Like All right. It. So we're going to talk about that Monday. All right, guys. Thanks again for watching, liking, subscribing. Make sure you share this video, and we'll see all you badasses tomorrow. Take care, guys.